0: Just the best literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, on our last podcast, I gave you a quick sketch of Joseph Conrad's early history. And of course, there's so much we could say about his early history. And uh, as I promised last time, uh, as we go through this series, I'm going to give you some more from uh, G. Jean Aubrey's um, uh, biography of Conrad. And it's, it's actually titled uh, Joseph Conrad, His Life and Letters. And so um, it it really is worth having if if you're really interested in biography, and uh, you can spend a few bucks. Uh, I found mine through AbeBooks.com, and they have a rare book section. And I went there and I found uh, you know three sets. So I'm sure there are more out there. Now, for today's program, what I want to do is I want to begin our series of stories by Joseph Conrad. And as I discussed previously and as we had advertised very early in the summer, um, the the three books of Conrad that we're going to be discussing is Youth, Heart of Darkness, and Lord Jim. But we're we're going to start today with Youth. And uh, I thought maybe the good way to, to start this is to maybe just point out some facts about the book. And uh, 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 just to real, just so you you can realize that that the writings of Conrad are still, I think, very very important today. They're still read today. They're still used in schools today. I know that uh, that we do use them not only uh, here at the college, but we also use them in the high school and even in the grade school. Now, the, the book Youth, it it really was. Uh, uh, first published in uh, 1898 and so you can see you know how many years old it really is but it was first published in 1898 and it was called uh, in Blackwood's Magazine and it was for the September 1898 issue now <clears throat> it was later collected in a book form as Youth, a Narrative and Two Other Stories and the Two Other Stories in this book and I actually have a copy of that book I was able to to find myself a very fine copy of that book and uh, I don't want to tell my wife what I paid for it but uh, I, I did uh, I did shell out a few dollars for it but it's just almost perfect in fact uh, you can't see this I mean I'm, I'm not on television like Mr. Stephen Flurry uh, with uh, but I actually have the book you know right in front of me and it it uh, it, it really is a beautiful little book. But now it, this book wasn't produced in 1898. I mean, it was produced much later, early early 1920s. But but so many of the the writers, even if you go back and uh, look at some of the things Melville did, um, you know, they were they became out as short stories first, and uh, uh, you know, so so these came out as uh, this came out in a magazine, but then it was later put into a book and of course uh with with youth was heart of darkness which we're also going to cover and then end of the tether but we won't be covering that one now the the first american edition of this book was published in 1903 and i think the edition that i had i have here let's see let me see if i can just find it um my edition was um it looks like in this format that I have it was it was published in two thousand three, and so this is by Barnes and Noble. So uh, uh, again, that that's even quite some time ago for for a book. And uh, again, the, the pages on this book are just great. Anyway, so so it it has been around, you know, you know, quite some time, and so so it is. Um, I, I think it's it's very much worth having. And if you can find a copy of this Barnes and Noble book, I'd highly recommend it. And again, I don't think I paid more than about uh, maybe fifteen or twenty dollars for it. But but if you're a lover of books like I am, it it was you know, it's worth that. Now, uh, the other thing I'd like to say about it, we you know, on this program, we are we do d- discuss a lot about literature, and I, I think uh, if we just talk briefly about the genre here and uh it, it is it would definitely be in the the higher classification of fiction and so so we're not reading um uh, a biography here even though uh as i uh am going to be explaining as we go through this i do believe it is somewhat biographical and uh, the, the so many of the men at the at the time that even uh conrad was writing is they had a lot to say and uh but, but if you look at Conrad's background here you know his parents were were Polish patriots um you know uh his dad got involved in um uh, you know a political movement to you know to rise up against Russia uh he was involved in a literary magazine but actually underneath the surface it was actually a politically motivated uh you know magazine um you know Conrad Conrad was writing you know uh you know he was you know, raised Polish. Uh, he he worked for the the French shipping industry. Then he became a British citizen. And uh, you know, if if you look at the time he was writing, he he died in the early 1900s. I mean, there there was a lot of things going on in Europe where maybe you just didn't want to say things, and uh, or you know just come right out and be, uh, you know, say it. But you could say things in novels. And uh, even George Orwell, we've we've just been through all that. He did that. Now, some people would call this uh, this uh, youth. They would call it a short story. I think it's also all right to call it a novella. And if if you if you look at the way um, you know Conrad wrote these these things, some, sometimes he would just write very short stories or novellas, and and. Uh, you have the secret sharer is another popular one. So in other words, if if you actually go down and buy heart of darkness, you're probably going to find a book that has heart of darkness and secret sharer in it. And uh, that's the way the, the, you know publishers uh you know do things. And so uh but again, I I think uh I'm going to refer to it, you know, as a novella. And so um uh it 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 is um uh, i think' it 's fine to say that, but if you want to say it 's fiction that 's that 's good if you want to say you want to call it a short story that 's fine as well now the 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 thing is uh, about this story, and I think it 's it 's really kind of fascinating but But the thing about this story is um, if if you look at his early writings about uh, the sea and if you look at even this character Marlowe. One of the things that was happening when he was writing these, some people might classify this as just a, you know, just a tale about the sea, and that, I think that would aggravate Conrad, because he he was going, it wasn't just about a sea voyage, you know, there was something deeper he wanted to talk about, and I think the same thing was true of Herman Melville. He'd get irritated if people just looked at, uh, like Moby Dick, you know, as just a, it's just a wall just about a sea journey and uh, uh because they were all they were all trying to do talk about something much deeper but 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 the thing is i think what really comes across especially in youth is at this time period there was a big there was a big movement because of, the, of you know england was moving forward france was moving forward there was new developments in shipping there was new developments in the kind of ships that that the uh, uh the book youth and and I think also with uh, with heart of darkness they um conrad really did not like the idea of the steamships and uh uh even if you if you really kind of analyze heart of darkness in a deep way i mean he he's uh, he, marlow goes into the congo you know and, and he's he's on a steamer you know he's on a, a steam powered ship and the thing is always breaking down and it's always irritating and uh but but the, obviously when you're on fresh water you can't have you know a sailing and you're on the Congo River you can't have you know a sailing ship but but there was a lot of people that did not want to see the sailing ships go and it was it was kind of romantic um that they, they didn't want to see the coal-fired steamships come on and so so if if you look at this um from youth and uh, I'm going to read you some some uh parts of it. And you can see, uh, even as he's writing this, uh, you know, he, he does not want to, uh, um, you know, he, he loves the Judea and, uh, you know, it, it again, it's, it's not a steamship, but, uh, you know, he, he does talk about it as, uh, something he loves very deeply. This is, this is, a, a in my little book, This is like just almost the second page in. And he starts talking about the Judea. Um, uh, He's talking about this as his first command. Uh, He said, uh, this was altogether... I'll start on the first page. He said, it was altogether a memorable affair. It was my first voyage to the east and my first voyage as a second mate. It was also my skipper's first command. You'll admit it was time. He was 60, if a day, a little man with a broad, not very straight back, with bowed shoulders and one leg more bandy than the other. So he's he's getting, um, you know, very descriptive there. But then at the very bottom of of this second page, it says, The ship was old. Her name was the Judea. He said, It's a queer name, isn't it? She belonged to a man, Wilmer Wilcox, some name like that. But he has... But he has been bankrupt and dead these twenty years or more, and his name don't matter. She had been laid up in a Shadwell basin for ever so long. You imagine her state. She was all rust, dust, grime, suit aloft, dirt on deck. To me, it was like the coming out of a palace into a ruined cottage. She was about four hundred tons, had a primitive windlass, wooden latches. On it, below her name in big letters, a lot of scroll work with the gilt off, in some sort of coat of arms with the motto "Do or Die" underneath, I remember it took my fancy immediately. There was a touch of romance in it, something that made me love the old thing, something that appealed to my youth. And so, so there, right at the beginning of the book, he he comes right out and he says, "Hey, we don't want these coal-fired steamships. Give us the romance. Give us the old stuff." And uh, you know, so so I I think that. Uh, that is just really uh kind of interesting he was after a touch of romance now there's there's some um, let's see if i can find another one uh this is on page 14 of the book um he he goes on it says the second paragraph down and again uh if you if you purchase this book and actually i highly recommend you i highly recommend you purchase it Um, you know these page matters these page numbers aren't going to matter much he says and there was something in me in me the thought this is the deuce of an adventure something you read about it was my first voyage as a second mate and I'm only 20 and here I am lasting it out as well of uh, as well of any of these men and keeping my chaps up to the mark I was pleased I would not have given up the experience for worlds I had moments of exultation Whenever the old dismantled craft pitched heavily with her counter high in the air, she seemed to me to throw up like an appeal, like a defiance, like a cry to the clouds without mercy, the words written on her stern, Judea, London, do or die. And so, so you know, as we get into the story, you're going to see that they they want to take a load of coal from Tyne to Bangkok, and they can't even get out of the port because the ship, the ship keeps breaking down, it keeps falling apart. you know they they get stuck in a, a gale in the north Sea and I've been up to Bridlington uh in the in the in in the north sea, and it it rains i mean when it rains, it pours it's windy and so so I have a little bit of understanding of what it's like to be on the north the North Sea or the north coast of of england but but notice what he says there. Man, he thought being on the Judea was the experience of a lifetime, and uh, it didn't matter to him that it wasn't a steamer. You know, he thought it was fantastic, and so so you, you you'll see this more than once, you know, in in the book, and uh, uh, you know, Conrad did not want to see the age of sail go away, and of course there are still a lot of people that love you know love sailboats and they love yachting and of course that's why they have all the yachting races and things like that because they you know they they don't want to uh, uh you know give over and if you think about it now the kind of shipping we have it's just amazing so um uh anyway when 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 we look at Conrad we we look at what he's talking about um you know he always he always paints the sailing ships as elegant uh, he paints them as stylish um Uh, it it takes a special crew to, to sail, uh, uh, you know, on a sailing ship. And, uh, I just read you that paragraph, you know, from the first chapter of the book. I mean, it, it, it made him feel more manly, made him feel more masculine, made him feel, feel worthwhile, you know, and, and, uh, you know, there's scene after scene, It, it almost gets boring. And we'll talk a little bit about that before the end here. But, uh, it almost gets boring how much time they have to spend to pump, to pump the ship so it doesn't sink. And then, of course, uh, I don't want to give away the whole story yet because we have, we have a lot of time to, to talk about it. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, eventually the, the ship does almost sink. But, uh, but they think it's just exciting to keep saving it. And so uh, uh, it's very clear that, that Conrad didn't think there was much glamour you know, in a steam, steam, uh, a steamship. Now, um, I, again, I, I think that when you look at, at Conrad, uh, just his personality, as we talked a little bit last time, he, he did come, his dad really did have a sense of moral character. Even though he was, you know, anti-Russian, that doesn't mean he didn't have character. And uh, certainly, um, you know, I think the, the way conrad looks at the the sailing ship he looks at them more as romantically pure you know they're not corrupted by society and we we know that he did believe that society was evil and that really comes out as we when we get into the uh to the book uh, heart of darkness and so um but but essentially um you know as you get into this book we have marlow who again i believe is is uh is actually conrad uh uh, he survived storms, and uh, he actually, uh, at the very end, he uh, he uh, actually survives the collapse of the ship. And so, um, you know, that's why we have to look at our lives, and I think that's that's essentially what he's doing with this story, is he wants us to, you know, look at this whole, um, you know, this, this sail of the Judea and how it was trying to get this, this cold to Bangkok, I think he wants us to look at that as this is the way life is it's full of experiences, and uh you know we need those experiences to grow and and here he's talking about Marlowe is is looking back and he's talking about something he did when he was twenty and so so I mean I think you can begin to think about Conrad in his mind he's he's thinking about his own life he's not he's not putting it into into the to the this the maybe the all the political things he saw. But certainly, you know as a as a merchant marineman, um, you know, we know he went through many experiences, and like he said, we'll talk about that uh, you know as well. Now, one thing that that is unique about this book, and we're going to see the same thing happen again with Heart of Darkness and with Lord Jim is it is really called a fixed narrative or a framed narrative. And essentially, what that means is there's actually two narrators. And so, so essentially um, uh, what you have is the, the book actually opens up with one narrator and then he transfers the story uh, to the other narrator, which is Marlow. So, so you never know who the first narrator is. And uh, in other words, there's no name for it. But you do know Marlow. And, and again, I think that that, that is uh, unique. To Conrad, he did experiment with this. He did develop it, and I think he developed it into, you know, an incredible uh, format for writing. It says, uh, "I'm just going to read from the very first page of Youth, and just just show you this. This first paragraph is by the narrator. We don't know, but it's he's framing it. He's 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 setting us up in it. And sometimes he may come back. Now he doesn't come back as much in Youth as he does in Heart of Darkness. But here's how it opens up. It says, This could have occurred nowhere but in England, where men and sea impenetrate, and so to speak, the sea entering into the life of most men, and the men knowing something or everything about the sea in the way of amusement, of travel, or of breadwinning. And so so you can see that this is a, a seasoned writer that knows a lot about, you know, the sea. He says, We were sitting around a mahogany table that reflected the bottle, the claret glasses, and our faces as we leaned on our elbows. There was a director of companies, and off, I mean, what we needed to understand about this would be one of the heads of the shipping industry, an accountant. Accountants were very important for the shipping industry. A lawyer, and of course, uh, you know, the shipping industries needed lawyers. They're, they were going to have to, uh, you know, maybe have to deal with wrecks and, uh, you know, shipwrecks and, you know, catastrophes at sea and they would need lawyers to defend them. notice it says marlo now that's the only name that's given to us and notice he says and myself so so myself is the narrator but who is that he doesn't tell us anything about him we don't know if he was a you know if, if he was one of the the ship boys we don't know if he was one of the sailors we don't know who he is he said the director had been a Conway boy. We'll talk about that later. The accountant had served four years at sea. The lawyer, a fine and crusty Tory, a high churchman. We'll talk about this all later. Says the best of old fellows, the soul of honor, had been the chief officer in the P&O service in the good old days when mailboats were square rigged, at least on two masts, and used to come down the China Sea before a fair monsoon with stun sails set alow in a loft. So, again, what is he talking about there? He's not talking about steamships. He's talking about the sailing vessels. He says, We all began life in the merchant service. Between the five of us, there was a strong bond of the sea and also the fellowship of the craft, which no amount of enthusiasm for yachting, cruising, and so on can give, since one is only the amusement of life and the other is life itself. So he's saying, look, if you're really a good merchant marine... That's life itself now notice he goes on, Marlowe, at least I think that's how he spelled his name, told the story, or rather the chronicle of a voyage, and then all of a sudden notice there's there's uh, if you have a have the book it says yes, I have seen a little of the Eastern seas, but what I remember best is my first voyage there, so now Marlowe takes over, and again, uh, very seldom do you hear again from the narrator now in the uh in the, the heart of darkness, you're going to hear from the narrator, you know, uh, quite often, or maybe I shouldn't say quite often, but you're going to you're going to hear, you know, about him. All right. So so again, that's that's the the overall structure of the book. Now, one one thing that's interesting is um, uh, let's let's talk about the principal characters in the book, and I think this is always good when I when I uh, you know conduct a class. Uh, whether they're reading a novel or whether they're reading, you know, a Shakespeare play, I do I do have the students learn the cast of characters before they begin reading. And that's really important because uh, y- you want to know the characters you're getting in- into. And then when you're reading, it's going to immediately give you an understanding. It's going to help you understand what you're reading. So, so uh, y- you could say... The first character there is the the unidentified narrator. And all we know about him uh, from just what, we, what I just read to you is uh, he was in the Merchant Marines. We do know that. We do know that about him. It says the five of them were together. They had all served in the Merchant Marines. And then that's that's basically it. Now, we go on to Charles Marlowe, and uh, uh, he becomes what uh, we would say uh and, you know, in in uh when we analyze literature, he'd become the protagonist. And uh but he is he's kind of well, he's he's also a narrator, but he's really he's really kind of a mysterious kind of guy. And and notice that even uh even uh Conrad sets us up with that. Because when when the when the narrator says Marlow, and of course we have it spelled M A R and 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 then, his parenthesis says, "I think that's how he spelled his name so so in it's kind of like he's mysterious all the time, and it's like uh uh you know here they obviously knew each other, but there's some mystery about Marlowe uh that that um you know I think we need to we need to figure out uh anyway he says um I well, I think I read I read this to you a little bit earlier and and I'd read it for a different reason, but uh you know, Marlowe is talking about it was altogether a memorable affair as my first voyage to the east and my first voyage as a second mate. It was also my skipper's first. And so so in some ways, uh Marlowe does reveal some things about himself, but uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily there's something still about him that we want to know. And I think that um uh obviously I think uh Conrad was was uh, really setting us up for that. All right. The 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 second uh <clears throat> character there is man or it it's really spelt a different way, but but um uh he, he talks about the the captain. This is like maybe the second paragraph down. Uh it says that Marlow was uh, he he talks about he was continue he was uh, uh kind of um um you know Pushed along to, to join. And he says, I joined. He said, I did join tomorrow. It was 20 year, 22 years ago, and I was just 20. How time passes. It was one of the happiest days of my life. Fancy. Second mate for the first time. A really responsible officer. I wouldn't have thrown up my new billet for a fortune. The mate looked me over carefully. He was also an old chap, but of another stamp. He had a Roman nose, a snow white, long beard, and his name was Mayon. But he said he insisted that it should be pronounced man. he was well connected yet there was something wrong with his luck, and he had never got on and so so here's the first mate uh that's the that's the first description we get of him all right now it's interesting i think uh and and you hopefully you don't you don't think this is too radical um I'm not that i'm 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 not leftist here, I just want to make sure I'm clear on that one. I'm not a left radical, but I would think the Judea should be considered a character, and even the way conrad and I've read to you what you know how he writes about her is she's a character in the in the book, and uh you know there's there's so much description of her that that I think Conrad wanted us to see uh you know, to see her and uh, you know, the the Judea it says do or die and uh you know, London do or die. So so we'll we'll talk more about her uh you know as we go along. Okay. German, he's the pilot with the dripping nose. Uh you know, he's kind of a funny guy. Uh, he's we're first interested uh, introduced to him on on uh you know a page uh, just very early on. It says that we worked out of the Thames under canvas with a North Sea pilot on board. His name was German, and he dodged all day long about the galley drying his handkerchief before the stove. Apparently, he never slept. He was a dismal man with perpetual tears sparkling at the end of his nose, who either had been in trouble or was in trouble or expected to be in trouble. (laughs) So so that's what we know about German, and uh, I don't know if it's a play on G-E-R-M-A-N or not but uh, uh we'll we'll learn more about him as you go. John Beard was the ship's captain and uh we already know that he was old and uh uh you know uh so uh Marlo is very young, he's very old and then his wife comes on uh with him and uh through through a uh we'll, we'll get into it. I don't want to reveal everything today. But she comes on board. She's a very very sweet woman. Uh we first learn about her is is Marlowe's trying to put a button on his coat or his pants, and she she comes by she's an older woman as well says she had the the face of a winter apple with the body of a young woman, so I guess she's she's ugly and beautiful at the same time but anyway um uh she actually uh tells Marlowe look it's not your job to be uh you know. Putting butts on your clothes. I don't have enough to do. Give me the but, Give me the clothes. So it says, he says that she redoes his whole wardrobe. Then uh, another character is Abraham, and uh, he's a uh, mulatto steward, and uh, I think it's interesting. He's kind of like Pip from uh, from Moby Dick. You know, he's he's the he's the captain's you know special servant, and so uh, uh, anyway. So uh that's that is the cast of characters. Now the, the other thing I think we have just a few minutes um maybe to talk just a little bit about the uh maybe the the plot summary. And remember now that it all it all opens up with Marlowe. Uh he's it's really about his first voyage uh you know to the east and uh, you can imagine this is uh conrad also talking about some of his first voyages and uh again uh, he's brought on his second mate that was considered a very uh responsible position and he's on the judea now again we'll be talking more about the judea and uh, we'll decipher whether she's a sailing ship or is she a steamship and uh that's something we'll have to figure out as we go through the book all right he is uh He's, he's essentially what what he's saying is he's transferred uh about Marlowe, he's transferred from a, an Australian clipper to a rusty old ship taking coal from Tyne to Bangkok. So so that you Judea, um, you know, as as you might imagine, is just she's old, she's breaking down. And uh but he came from an Australian clipper, which uh, would be a very, very fast ship. Now, the ship encounters it's almost like uh, problem after problem after problem, and uh, it, it actually becomes quite quite a joke. And even the people, they keep coming back to port. They keep coming back over and over again. And uh, essentially, they they say to them, pick on them. Hey, are you ever gonna? Are you ever gonna get to Bangkok? And so uh, again, we'll talk about that. Well, that's all the time we have for today's program. Next time, we'll begin our discussion uh, of Joseph Conrad's novella *Youth*. Now, you can buy *Youth* at Amazon.com. You can, you may also be able to find a good used copy at AbeBooks.com. You may be able to find a copy in your local bookstore. Of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comment you may have to JBL at PCOG.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading.